So, that, so all of that leads me here. Why are we uh-huh. standing on top of a giant landfill? What? Like, why did you take me here? And why do I see so many discarded candles? Well, Dave. Okay. I wanted you to see firsthand the problem facing the candle industry. Mm. L- let me hit you with this stat. This okay. is actually sit down okay. on all those discarded candles. Ow, 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 ow. Yeah, it's going to be sharp. Almost two billion candles are sold globally each year, and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next million years. Okay, I, I wouldn't say this to a lot of people, John. Yeah. You're not lying to me because you don't lie to me, John. I, I would never lie, especially about candles. I, saw, I told you that the first years, day we met. That is Gnarls Barkley crazy. Although I must admit, this landfill does smell pretty great <laughs> compared to what I anticipated. <laughs> the, you know, the candles do kind of pick that part up, but it's disturbing. John. Hey, Dave, yeah. you're funny, but this is no time to I'm joke. So okay, the you. folks at Notes yep. knew that we all want our homes to smell great. I do. But figured... There had to be a more responsible way, and guess what? They found the perfect solution. What did they come Let up with? Let me tell you. If you'll stop interrupting so me, I'll tell you. So Notes created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel again and again. And guess what, Dave? Again. Again. Yes. Please don't interrupt me. So you don't become part of the problem. It's so easy to use. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, and all you do is place the wick in the reusable Notes jar Fill it up with the wax beads, enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours, and then just do it all over again when you're ready to get a new one. Oh, so that means I can switch out of fragrances all the time. That's right. That sounds great. I'm checking out their website, and I think I already have my eye on the Centol and Atlas, Atlas Cedar. Cedar. Yeah, I knew that would be Plumeria and Pink Current. Yep, mm. yep, yep. The one that you're enjoying right now, uh-huh. smell that? Mm, it's vanilla and pepperwood. Ooh. That's like my two favorite scents. No, And the names of your bunnies, right? That's right. Okay. Yeah, just coincidence there. <laughs> okay. Did you know that there are 13 amazing fragrances what? in all? Dave, that's almost 14 oh. fragrances. Handcrafted <laughs> by fragrance experts at their home base in South Carolina. And they are to die for. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up on high-quality home fragrance by making the switch to Notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notecandles.com slash podcast. Right now, Notes is giving listeners 15% off and free shipping when you buy a Notes starter kit using code DADVILLE. Just use code DADVILLE when placing your order. That's code DADVILLE at notecandles.com slash podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... John Tyson. So here we are. We're in Dadville. We have Johnny T, Johnny Tyson with us, who's coming all the way first from Australia. But it's then, a long way to come for a podcast. It is. We, <laughs> we are so honored. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but then through New York City with a small break in Franklin, with yes. a small little uh, trailer park, you know, uh, <laughs> stuck in the middle there. Um, and, 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 so, John, you and I, we, we talked about this just a second ago. We've met before. We, me and me and John Tyson were old friends. We had a band together while you were in Franklin that yes. never really got off the ground because uh, your lyrics were a little too Australian. I remember the country <laughs> label saying. Um, but, um, you know, th- this is really fun. John and I are, are excited about having you on for a lot of reasons. I am, am such a huge um, fan of what you're doing in the in – the, uh, in the space you're in, you know, I, I feel like, um, it's been fun. Podcasts have been like the new, you know, obviously with this podcast, but I've had a lot of fun listening to interviews with you. One of my favorite podcasts I've listened to a long time was an interview you did with John Mark Comer and the two of y'all was just like in heaven because I think you guys have such a gift for what you both do. But I think together it was really fun because it's like, you know, sort of like Captain America and Iron Man <laughs> chatting. So I was, sort of, I was who is really, who else, would you say? I'm not going to say. We know, but I'm not going to say. Um, <laughs> who would be you in that conversation? That's a really good. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I don't want to say. Uh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe you can't be Captain America because you're that's Australian. Eight. There it is. Maybe that's yeah, the there deciding it is. factor. It's just solved itself. <laughs> it just solved itself. But, um, but so, you know, I've, I've been such a fan. I love, I love uh, you know, your sermons, 
the way that you sort of mm-hmm. approach um, this generation, you know, and how intentional, which is a theme here, but, you know, you've been about the way you've lived and, 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 um, and y'all moving to New York and starting, you know, your church there, which has been amazing. Um, but I was so excited because, you know, I was talking to one of our friends, Annie Downs, and I think she had mentioned that you had a new book coming out about being a dad and and especially pertaining to your son. And I was like, well, this is the lowest of hanging fruits. Um, and so it was this perfect, you know, like, oh my gosh, not only can we have mom, but this is a great chance to talk about you know, this new book of yours and, and what it's about. But what we start all of these with, John, is that we do a little, what we call the getting to know you and the brag sheet. Um, and so I'm going to read to the, to the folks out there kind of a little about you and you can uh, say how much of this is a lie, amend it, or just, you know, yeah, just jump at any point. So uh, John Tyson, which is you, is a pastor and church planner in New York City, Originally from Adelaide, Australia, which is a long way from New York, John moved to the U.S. 20 years ago with a passion to seek and cultivate renewal in the Western church. Uh, He's the author of Rumors of God, Sacred Roots, A Creative Minority, The Burden is Light, Beautiful Resistance, and the book we'll talk about today, which which completely blew my mind and scared me to death, Uh, The Intentional Father. Uh, And this is something else I want to talk about. I'm not kidding. I told like John, John McLaughlin and I were, chatting about this before and I was like, John, I don't know that I've ever read something that was more terrifying and intimidating, but really great than this little book. I mean, I got through with it and I was like, well, it was what a good I do want to say, hang on, Dave, you've read The Intentional Father? He yeah, I read, read it yesterday. the entire book Dude, in you've one got a copy day. of it? Yeah, Annie, Annie Downs brought it over. She literally drove it to my house. I don't even have a copy of that book yet. <laughs> I literally emailed my publisher this morning. I was like, yo, am I getting any advanced copies of the book? Oh there my gosh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I haven't seen this yet. Look at that. How does it feel when you're holding your hand? Is it it's hard great, man. I no, literally, you... I mean, I look, you can see the mark. I've marked it up and oh, everything. Gosh. I honestly want to say, like, it actually is very cool. Like, it's a very, yeah, like, it's really cool. Like, tactilely is cool, aesthetically is very cool. And again, that's Dave, so funny. Dave got this book. When did you get it, Dave? On Saturday? I got it Saturday and I Today read it. Today is Monday. You. Yeah. Whenever this is coming out, today's Monday, but uh, he read the entire book. That's in amazing. One day. That's yeah. Amazing. Now, I was out of town this weekend, so for the duration of this conversation, I'll be doing an impression <laughs> of, 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 of an individual. Yes. Fictitious, of course, for the sake of rounding out our perspectives. I'll be doing uh, an impression of someone who hasn't read the book yet. Yes. So, oh, my gosh. I got to finish reading this thing. Okay. So so the other thing that, that I think is I really want to – I hope we have time to talk about, too, is the primal path, which is – John, it's just amazing, man. I can't – I, I want to just applaud you for the work you've done, not only in these books in your ministry, but uh, – so you also made the primal path, which is a practical course to help overwhelmed but determined fathers, which, I mean, all that is just the same words to me, overwhelmed but determined fathers create an intentional process for walking their sons from adolescence into manhood. Um, also, for the last 15 years, you've lived in Manhattan, and you serve mainly as the lead pastor of Church of the City, New York. Um, we are so excited to have you here. I just want to tell you that. <laughs> and as you can imagine, <laughs> it, it, it taking this information in over one day, there are a lot of there's a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts I have. But one of the first things, because I, I think this is so significant about your story, because it's so this really is amazing, and I think it's um, really unique. Is is talking about you leaving Australia at the like the you know young age? Was it eighteen? I was 20. 20. 20. Okay. twenty. I was I dropped out of high school. I did an apprenticeship as a butcher starting at age sixteen, <laughs> and it took That's four amazing. years. It was like I was a legally indentured servant of um, like it's like I was legally indentured. That's the that's the phrase they use. That li- that's really? literally the phrase. Yeah. As an so, uh, so you the, dropped me, out of high school and then started working at the butcher shop. I was working at the butcher shop before when, oh, I, was, okay. when I was 14. Oh, okay. And then I had an amazing visionary boss who basically said to me, drop out of high school and I'll teach you how to retire at 30. You're kidding me. No, incredibly visionary leader. And he said to me, you're a leader. He said, you know, buy your first house when you're a teenager, get a very short mortgage, 10 years. You pay it off in half that time if you're smart. Buy your second house, have a rental property. And by the time you're 30, you'll have, you, your house will be paid for. You can work one day a week as a manager. So I bought my first house when I was 19. What? Wait, wait. <laughs> yeah. This kind of this reminds me of a Steve Martin joke where he's like, how to get a million dollars and not pay taxes. 
in two steps, and the first step is get a million dollars. And then, the- <laughs> how did you buy a house at nineteen? Well, I was working full time since I was sixteen, and I so I worked in like a very rough neighborhood, and all of my uh-huh. coworkers just basically got paid, got drunk, and came back to work. And yeah. my boss said to me, "Look, Sounds they like are literally." <laughs> Get paid and get drunk and get back to work. <laughs> so he said to me, I remember him saying, when all the guys came in after the weekend, like sort of look, looking pretty shoddy, he said they've literally pissed half their paychecks away against a wall. Jeez. And he's yeah. like, you got to do smart stuff with your money. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting this intel at 16. Yeah. So I saved up money and bought a house and then it was just like on my pathway. I became a Christian in the middle of that. And uh, anyway, whatever. So I was an apprentice legally until I was 20. And the month after my apprenticeship ended, I moved to the United States to study theology. I got a scholarship. So obviously the conversion is the, is the, is the paradigm shift here because you are, you're on your way to be like, you know, the young uh, uh, land, you know, uh, uh, Adelaide's Meet biggest Livestock land Titan. Yeah. <laughs> livestock Titan. I don't hear those two words in a row enough. Oh. Livestock Titan. That's I'm it. immediately scared of that man, whoever that or woman at that point. More scared of the woman if it is one. Um, so, so what were your parents? What did, what did they say when you were dropping out of high school at 16? I remember my mum saying, "John, you've got so much more in you than just being a butcher." Mm. And I remember my dad saying, "You're really good at it, and if it's in your heart, do it with all your heart." Mm-hmm. Wow, that was it? That was Jeez. It. And then you're like, "Cool, here we go." Well, I mean, like I was working for, like I said, I was working for a pretty extraordinary guy. It's not mm. like I was just like a slacker. I was like right. a vision. I was like a highly motivated, hardworking kid. Wow. And the idea of um, you can have your own butcher shops and I'll show you how to like build a, like a, a chain of butcher shops. Wow. Like all that entrepreneurship and all of that. I mean, I guess if, I, if I'd done any other field that had entrepreneurship sort of as a part of the framework, I would yeah. have just rolled in, but it just yeah. so happened I was working in a meat it, factory. Isn't it profound? Yeah. I never know how to say that. Profound? Do I lead more into the O, profound or profound? Just say it like say an Australian and just merge it all in like yeah. pro, uh, profound, profound. 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 Um, is, is it, 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 it's a little bit of like a, a Babe Ruth moment where this guy kind of points, you know, he like sort of takes the bat and points into your life going, I'm calling this shot this early to think that you have this man who mm. is so benevolent and mm-hmm. gives you this sense of purpose and calling and kind of says, hey, here, here's the keys to the kingdom. I'll show you how to do this if you want to do it. I think that's a pretty unique and I'm sure had to be had to make an effect. I mean, you think about the book, you know, the intentional father and having these men that sort of come in and give you some sense of vision and calling. It's crazy that at that age, this guy was like in at my little 16 year old dude working in my shop. Like, Hey, what oh, do you he need? Did it when I was, he did it when I was 14. Jeez Louise. He did that, it when I first. That's amazing. Did, when do I first you remember, started working there. Yeah, do you remember so, uh, remembering like that this yes. seemed unique? Or were you like, oh, I bet he's just doing this. This is just what happens. You're 14 and, you know, butcher <laughs> yeah. comes along. And no, I, mean, so I remember. And I remember very clearly I was, <laughs> I was, I remember thinking, I've got to get a job. I need some money. And I remember going to like the classified section in wow. the local paper. And yeah. I, I saw a job that said hiring after school cleanup boy for Kentia Meats. And I was like, okay, that seems like a job I could do. It's not too far from me. I remember going there and there was a line of like dudes around the block. Holy I remember, cow. I remember, remember two things. I remember thinking, tuck your shirt in and tell him what he wants to hear. No. So I tuck, I tuck my shirt in and said to him, why do you want this job? And I said, because I'm sick of taking money from my parents and I want to learn responsibility. Holy and he, cow. And he said, you're hired. Dismissed now, was, that, else. was that true or were you like, because when I was 14, it's like, well, I just want to, I want to buy clothes or whatever. I, I spent wanna, a lot you know. of money on clothes, a lot yeah, okay, of money so. on Stussy. <laughs> yes. Shout yes. out. Stussy. I had a VW Casa, man. 16, my first car. I had this second car. I had this sweet VW camper van, a combi oh. van. Used to go to the beach on the weekends, just surf, fill around oh. with meat, surf, eat like a king, <laughs> filet mignon, surfing. 16 you, years old. You were retired already. <laughs> That's right. 
You know that story about the fisherman at the end of the dock? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my, my point being, um, so I go in and very early on my <laughs> boss pulls me into the office when I'm 14 and he says to me, John, you're a leader. Wow. And I was Jeez. like, what do, you, what do you mean by that? He goes, you're a leader. you got leadership in you. I want to develop you. Jeez Louise, And I was like, man. oh, okay. Okay, great. So, you know, he's just a great dude. Was he was That's was really that cool. the first time you had heard that? Had you yes, had other people say that? So for real, worked that up. Yes. Huh. Jeez, I was so nobody... super. I was a witty, smart aleck kid. Mm. You know, influential could get people to do stuff, talk people into stuff. Mm. And, and but what do you call that when you're a kid? You know what you call that survival when you're in high school? <laughs> yeah, right, it's right. It's a coping right, mechanism. Right. Yeah, right. he was totally. like, no, that's that's leadership. Wow, that is incredible. So you have yeah. this conversion experience, and then and then I, you know, I read about this in the book where you're on this hill, you pray this prayer about God giving you cities, mm-hmm. and 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 you just feel like I just want to go to the states. I just have this feeling that I, I just have this calling. I have this sense of purpose and moving to the states. Yeah, mate. It's as simple as that. I mean, it's like look, <laughs> my amazing. level of hunger for God at that point. Hmm. I'm getting up at 4 a.m. I'm spending two hours in prayer. Jeez Louise. I'm just like after it. I'm wow. taking communion every day on my knees like Smith Wigglesworth. I'm after it. And I just want to just want to spend my life for the kingdom of God. And hmm. I just have this thing that's very hard to articulate, sort of like a New Testament vision. Hmm. It's very, very, very hard to explain. It yeah. was almost like the... Yeah. Lifted off the earth. Mm. Here's what mm-hmm. it is. It was like Google Maps. It's like Google Earth before yeah, yeah. I understood Google Earth. But it was like an experience of Google Earth mm. and God saying, do you want to be involved in reaching these? And I was like, yes, I, I wanted to. It was an invitation. Mm. And then, you know, I felt like I was crazy, but I went to my youth pastor and said, I feel like I'm meant to go to America. And he, was, he said, uh, why would God send you there? Australia's a secular country. America's, I remember he said this phrase, America's filled with seminaries pumping out leaders, pumping out pastors. Mm. And I was like, you're probably right, mate, but I just think I'm meant to go to America. And then out of nowhere, a total miracle, I get a phone call at work one day and my dad says, you want to go to Bible college? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, all right, I've got your scholarship. There's one, one deal, though. You have to be willing to go to America to get it. And I was wow. Like, Let's go. So that was it, mate. Yeah, that so was it's it. like, was that from God? Did I make that up? I don't know, mate. I've lived in America for 20-plus years now. <laughs> it worked out. Here's, here's, no, I'll tell you this. I'll, uh, I will say this. The intensity and sincerity of my prayers in my teenage years are still being answered today, two Jesus. decades later. Things are landing in my life from the total intensity and sincerity of my late teenage year prayers. That I always tell crazy. so I always tell young men like get your heart right with God and cry out to him to use your life because you just never know the fuel they'll become for your destiny later in life. You just mm. never know. I'm still seeing stuff right now that I'm like, I prayed for that when I was nineteen. Just that been is hanging crazy. in heaven waiting. Yeah. <laughs> I like hanging in heaven. Is that what we're gonna do for eternity? Hanging in heaven. Um <laughs> <laughs> that would be a terrible book. I would, I'm going to try to write in my 60s um, and speak on it. So, so That's let a me, skit that you're working on. <laughs> hanging in heaven. Um, oh, there's so many bad jokes. So, so this book. I mean, I, I mentioned you've got so many books. This is what was hard about this podcast because it was, you know, there was another book. There's a lot of books, but this book to me felt so simpatico with what we're doing. Glad you've been able to get a hold of that book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one that you, you, you say I really can't believe this. <laughs> well, I, like I will to- tell you, Annie was like, you know, I texted her and was like, hey, because they sent us the last book. They sent us the um, beautiful, resistance. beautiful, yeah. And yeah. and I was like, great, you know. Uh, but man, we would love the new one because it just feels like it fits the best. Yeah, sure. But that was like mid last week, so That's it was so super funny. last minute. So then Annie, and I text Annie, I'm like, hey, what are the chances of us? And she's like, oh, I got a copy. I'll drive it over to you. So she comes over, and and little That's did I know, you know, I've got the only, maybe the only one in existence right now, which is exciting, and to feel real sense you know of weight we'll from that. You know what? We'll sign it, and we'll mail it to we'll you. We'll send it to Thank you. you. Yeah. We'll yeah. put a little CD in there, too, just Thank as you. some songs. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we'll just cover Mike and the Mechanics' Living Years and stick it in there, so it's the perfect. <laughs> what a song, <laughs> by the way. Oh, what my song. gosh. 
what a song. Um, but w- with this book, um, I think for me, and I've felt like this a long time, and I think this is one of the things that's the most compelling thing about this book to me. If there's one thing that I could be as a dad, it would be intentional. Yes. Like if there's one thing, I feel like at any time, and this was even before we had kids, you know, I go, I remember going to this wedding once and everybody that got up to talk about this guy, um, at, at their uh, rehearsal dinner, that was the word everybody talked about was mm-hmm. just like how intentional this guy was. And anytime I get around men like that, mm-hmm. I always feel the sense of like, that's what I want. I want to be the mm-hmm. guy that's like got a plan. That's mm-hmm. like not just going day to day, but it's like got a real sense of direction and purpose. Um, and and then, you know, reading this book, I'm like, oh, it's so, I mean, it's like I joked about it earlier. It's so amazing and insanely intimidating because it, it Bro, is. What's the, a level of intentionality that I, you never would have got to on your own. Oh, man, I don't want to hear that. That's not no, the that's feedback. that's not what I mean, though. But well, what I, I really want to, That's I want a reality to... you got to deal with, though. And I'm, okay. I, I, again, I'm doing the impression of the guy who hasn't read the book yet. But I skimmed a bit, and Dave and I have talked, and I'm already like, Okay, I'm in. I want to, you know. Okay, that, was be, a, that book it, took six years. Yes. I, it was well, over six years. Yeah. Well, yes. and I think that's, that's what's so cool about it to me. Because I think, so part one of what I was going to say is a sense of like reading and going, wow. But I think also realizing what's, realizing what's amazing about it is the time that you dedicated to it and how it unfolded over a long time. You know, it's not something where I'm just getting up and I'm going willy-nilly into this thing. But, but when, what is that? when you think of an intentional dad, like what is that? You kind of talk about in this book, but like, how, how do you think about that? Like if, for all the dads that are out there listening and, and moms too, just intentionality, what does that look like as a parent? You know, what, what is it that you feel like is so important about that? Well, here's the thing. I mean, the greatest thing I'm trying to help dads avoid is regret. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. As this, the, the worst feeling alive is like, Crap! I missed it. I yeah. got that wrong. Yeah. Dang it! Which is something I feel like every other night when I go to bed. I'm yeah. always like, I didn't quite get it right today. Hmm. So, yeah. And by the way, there's a difference between what your kids think you get right and what you perceive to have gone <laughs> sure, right. That, that's so a at great the end word. of the primal path, like I sat down with Nate, and I was like, "Hey, so what did you take away from this?" Wow. You know, and and things. I've got an interview when when Nate and I are hiking across Spain doing the Camino de Santiago. Mm-hmm. I live, uh, like, what I live podcasted that, so you can look up. Oh, um, cool. In iTunes, you can look up Father's Collective, The Intentional Father, and it's me and Nate walking across Spain doing the Camino together, and then I do an interview with him. Like, what did you get out of it? So you can, that's Holy on the internet somehow. Um, I'm trying to avoid, help dads avoid regret. And I think it basically happens with, with yeah, intentionality. So like I've got an mm-hmm. exercise in there called the before they go exercise where you simply sit down, you put a clock on and you ask the question, my, my, t- my time will be over before I know it. What do I want my kids to know, be, and be able to do before they leave? And then I'm just going to do my best to sort of like build something out. And mm. I tell you, how many dads you've met who have had have a conscious process for that? They have a desire for it, but they don't have a process for it. Right. Mm. Everything, right. everything in that book that you read is intuitive. Mm. Everything there's not a there's not a fret. There might be a fresh concept in there, but that all of that stuff is already in every dad's heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yep. it's just like, hey, here's a, here's a way to frame that. Here's an exercise to help draw that out. And that's all it is to me. An intentional, an intentional parent asks the question, what do my kids need before they leave? And then I'm just going to build something to help them get it to the best of my ability. That's it. Man. It, uh, God, that is, uh, amen, first of all. Uh, but kudos to you. And I think what's so powerful is you do such a good job of laying that out. And I think, you know, you have the book, you have the intentional father, and you also have the primal path, which is your sort of online course that gives, mm-hmm. which, you know, and, and are you, you, you kind of encourage starting that around 12, 13, right? Yeah. It's kind that's of- like, I mean, <clears throat> you know, uh, I do. Um, part of, part of the problem in our culture is people fundamentally are afraid of male energy. <clears throat> so we don't, we don't know what to do with male energy in our culture. Like we, mm. Everything about men is bad. Mm. And I think 
a godly man is a gift to the world. Wow. And it seems that there's a great tradition in human societies. You know, it's like that African proverb. It's like if you don't, if you don't yeah. initiate the boys, they burn down the village, and there's something to that. Why do gangs exist? That's, that's an attempt at formation in the community. So all societies have some rite of passage around 12 or 13 pu- puberty, you know, before the body is um, filled with testosterone, they, they teach men how to handle it and what to do with it. And so there's some point where you say, hey, everything's about to change. Let me get you ready for that. So that's that's what I recommend. But I've had dads do it as late as 16. You know, our church right now has turned it into a men's curriculum. We've got men going through that stuff, filling in the gaps oh, and wow. working through it. So That's incredible. You know, the world is racing to get back to normal and start meeting up in person again, and that's great. It's exciting. But after the year we've had, getting back to feeling normal takes time. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, I want you to know you're not alone. It's important to find the support you need to face those feelings and move forward. That's why I've been using Talkspace. Talkspace is great. It makes it really easy to match with a licensed therapist and schedule live video sessions all from the comfort of your device. The Talkspace app makes it easy to connect with your licensed therapist on your schedule without having to wait weeks before your next appointment. You can go anywhere and take your therapist with you. So whether you're a parent, a student, a millennial, or just someone having a hard day, Talkspace can provide the support to help you feel better with a single message. Talkspace even offers individual and couples therapy in addition to medication prescription services. You can set goals with your therapist and they can help make sure you're really progressing. Talkspace therapists help you develop tools to cope in difficult times like these. Start feeling better with a single message. Match with a licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month with the promo code DADVILLE. That's $100 off when you use the code DADVILLE at Talkspace.com. So can you can you kind of give as best you can because this is a very I know this is a very weighted loaded question but if you can kind of give the flyover for what you're doing over the time of those years so again this is where you're like dude how much time we have but you know as best you can to succinctly sort of say here's what the the process looks like you know what I mean so- yeah so basically it's in four movements so it's preparation a dad has to like consciously come to terms with his own story, his own father, his own history. Hmm. Uh, if you don't do that, you know, whatever paints, not transforms, transferred, all of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta figure your stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> then the process um, is initiation, which is like, you have to consciously mark off some liminal space to invite your son into a formal journey into manhood. Yeah. Uh, then you've got formation, which is the actual content of what you do. Here's, here's what actually helps him move from adolescence into manhood. Right. And then you've got recognition at the end of it, which is like a man has to, uh, a, a new man has to be welcomed into the community of men. He's got to have a place to belong. So, yeah, that's, so that's like, that's the four basic movements. And, um, it, you know, the way I did it is like I, I did a, a daily time with my son, you mm-hmm. know, which is just like the daily connect. And In the morning, did, right? Yeah. And then we did weekly man school. It's like man school. And like people are like, what did you do? And I'm like, uh, what didn't we do? And I mean, we did like everything, everything that you would want to do at man school, practical wow. skills, you know, like all the, like stu- all the archetypes of life. How, how much, so it begs this question, how, I'm giggling because I'm thinking of me doing this. And it's, it's, it's how, how old like, are your kids? How old are your kids? They're nine. So I have two, I have a boy, girl, boy. So it's nine, okay, about to be seven and four. No, I've so got two daughters. So thankfully, yeah, so, and then John's The got, stuff I'm yeah. doing for daughters, I'm happy to talk about. Well, that's what, right well, we, I, we're going to yeah. get to that. Yes, like, yeah. We're going to talk to that. So, so, so here's – how much did you find – because I, I just feel like if any <laughs> – I get so giggly thinking about this because I'm just imagining me trying to teach my kid like how to do something. I have no clue how to do. But how much did you see that with yourself? Like how much were you coming to these places where you're like, oh, God, uh, I don't know, Nate. Let's let's pull up YouTube and see if we know how to pick a oh, lot. No, it's like – no, no. You know, like <laughs> – how much of it was like that? Ninety yeah. percent of it was like that. Oh, that's but good. The okay, great, good. The great good. skill is not Nate. Let's pull up YouTube. It's <laughs> let me pull up YouTube real quick. Take a few notes and then reteach it like I came up with it. How much of that yeah. stuff's in? That's ninety percent of it. 
I tell you like right Nate, go go grab the uh, the hammer that's two blocks away, and then you look up <laughs> the YouTube video. Go buy a hammer. Go buy a hammer. Well, this one's I mean, not good. It was a lot of research, man. The great gift I got was filling in the gaps of my own formation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I tell dads yeah. like the greatest thing you will ever do for yourself is disciple your son. Mm-hmm. Huh. Wow. You that, so that that, yeah. that very first step. Does that begin? Is that the step that begins with you have to write a letter to your father? That That's right? a part of it. Yeah. So what was that process like? Is that a letter that took seven days to write, or seven minutes to write, or what was that like? Well, you know what Malcolm Gladwell says, mate. It's eighty percent reflection, twenty percent writing. So all the mm. time, the time is not in the writing. The time is in the thinking. Right. Wow. Um. You know, it, it 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 depends on your relationship with your dad, or if you have a dad, or you know, yeah. like I mean, everyone has a dad, but like if you're in a relationship with him, or if he's even right. alive. Here's and what's what the I, intent yeah. of the letter? I, like, if I were going to write this letter to my dad right now, what would you say? What's the okay. direction? So, so imagine this: imagine you're not super intentional with your kid, or you do your best, but you don't have high communication, mm-hmm. no real time feedback on how you're doing as a dad. And you get through your life and you, you're not in a place where you're asking, hey, how did I do as a dad? Where did I mm. jack you up? Mm. Like what, what are you moving through the world with? What are you carrying? What was a gift from our relationship? And you're just wondering as a man your whole life, mm. did I get that right? Wow. Mm-hmm. And then you see your own son with his own kids and you're like, holy crap, is he going to jack his kid up? Like you just, you've got a bunch of like self-doubt and self-reflection and then your son sits down and says, Dad, you're probably wondering how you did. Mm. I just want to just let you know specifically, here's yeah. all the gifts you gave me in your mm. life. Mm. You know? Yeah. And so, you know, the crazy thing is like, you know, my son's left me a couple of letters, like before he went to college. Like I'll get choked up if I keep talking about it. I'm getting before choked my, up right now. Yeah. yeah. Just hearing you before, talk about this. Yeah. Before my son went off to college, he left a, a letter on my pillow. And on my wife's pillow, and it's like barely, ed- you know, eligible because kids can't write with pens these days because they're just <laughs> keyboard monkeys. <laughs> but he, he hand writes this thing, <laughs> and I was sitting there, and it just touched the deepest part of who I am. Yeah, what a and I gift. think that's what it God. does. It's like it just it heals something in a dad's soul. It blesses. It's a form of honor. Honor your father. How do you honor your father? Well, honor, it's a Greek word to me. It literally means to recognize value. So you just stop and you go back and you consciously recognize all those sacrifices that you're now aware of Mm, because you're making them. And you just say, I frame this up. I recognize this. Thank you. What does it do? It heals a man's heart. Certainly helps. So something so that great. something that you said that I think is such a big part of this because that you know as you said to to write that letter you have to sit and think about your story your your dad's story and you start filling in gaps and thinking you know and, and as you you know I wrote down these quotes these two quotes which I think are amazing that's what fathers do if they don't hear the heal their wounds they wound their children in the same place which is Cheryl Strayed is that right yeah Strayed. yeah. Uh, and then Richard Rohr's, if we do not transform our pain, we will most assuredly transmit it. How, how do you, how do we transform those wounds and pains? Like what, what is that, you know, is, is for anyone that's listening, cause John and I have really transformed all of ours, <laughs> but, uh, you for know, those who haven't already, for those yeah. who haven't <laughs> and hear something like that, you know, it's a pretty overwhelming thought. Um, mm-hmm. if you haven't done that work and, and, and you always will, cause we're always, you know, dealing with with more of those things. Um, how, how do you, how do you tell people to do that? You know, if that's step one, what does that look like? Well, I mean, there's another exercise in the book that basically helps you make like walk through the events of your life that have formed. You yes. For good the, and for the chart, yeah. yeah. And then, um, sort of sit with those things. I try and like be as specific as I can, like name it, extract the principle, the wisdom from it. Like, you know, it amazes me how little we understand ourselves in our own stories. I, I spend a lot of time just going year by year through my life. And I asked a different question, not just like, it's, it's sort of hard to articulate, but it's, I try to do an emotional map of my story, not just a geographic or chronological right. map. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, what stayed with me? 
What were the mm. loudest words? What were the deepest wounds? What were the mm. highest joys? So you've got to spend the time really understanding yourself. Right. And then in the places that are hurt, you've got to like get resolution with it. So sometimes mm. you have to make repair and restoration with other people. Sometimes it's like healing and identity formation in your relationship with God. Mm. But having an awareness of it and the tendencies and the fruit and the patterns that are connected to it, like I, I talk to my son a lot, you know, I'd say, hey, mm. this is like, hey, this is an area of my life that's a weakness because when I was younger this mm. happened to me or here's an area that like I'm good at because I experienced this thing and I've been really healthy connected to it. Yeah. So you want to be honest with your strengths and weaknesses and you want to share out of them. Again, it's like it's the moral authority comes from understanding your own story and the gifts that you carry. Mm. And so it's not just sec- it's not just parables or secondhand nature or quotes mm. or snippets. It's like you're yeah. prescribing out of what you've mm-hmm. learned. It's your own sort of canon mm. of, of wisdom that you're sort of passing on. So, yeah, you've got to sit with it. You've got to process it in a healthy way. You've got to be honest with it. And then, yeah, I think you've got to just uh, – be willing to repent in front of your kids when you get it wrong. Mm. And I think that that has its own healing, you know? Yeah. I, I, I think about that a lot. Like, um, you know, with, with, for example, with you and Nate, y'all haven't done that work and you haven't done that work. You know, you would hope that when he comes to you and says, Hey dad, this thing that happened either yesterday or tonight at dinner or five years ago sort of came back up and I'm feeling this, this certain kind of way and sort of tells you in a way that you've heard him you know, the hope is that you know yourself, you know, you know, these tendencies, your shadow selves that you go, oh my gosh, yeah, like I am capable of doing that. And that is something that I have done. And I'm sorry, you know, let's talk about it. And I think sometimes what you see in parents that haven't done that work is like, no, I I don't do that. I wouldn't have done that. Or I didn't mean it like that, you know, and so you immediately have this, you know, defensiveness rarely brings healing. You know, yes, like well self-justification. Said. Well yeah, well I, mean, I, I, I said, you know, if he came to me and he said, hey, this happened, it really hurt me, I would, you know, I would open a conversation. I'd say, man, I'm so sorry. You know, that's not my heart. I'm sorry that hmm. that happened anyway. Like tell me the fruit of that in your life. Hmm. Like is there any, you know, like how's that manifest itself or like in, in what ways do you think I could like help make up for that or whatever or did you feel like you needed to share this with me so I had an understanding of it you know Mm. I just would enter into a conversation I think I share this in the book Uh, my whole goal was to get my son to bring me his sin Hmm. I was like that's when I know I've got the relationship wow my son's Mm -hmm. like hey dad I want you to know I did this thing wrong and so I would always say to him Nate this is the phrase you got to have in your head my dad can help with that I'm like if you're in a car and wow. please pull you over and everyone's smoking weed. Call me. My dad can help yeah. with this. Rather than thinking wow. my dad's going to kill me, wow. I want you to think Jeez. my dad will help me. Yeah, and so yeah. I spent like a lot of time and it like it genuinely ended up there. You know, like Man. it ended up there. But it ended up there with some pain. And some of the best moments, I think, were when he'd bring me like really complexing problems. Hmm. And you know, I want to respect his privacy and all that too. But he, you know, he'd bring me stuff from school where he'd say, "Dad, I remember you. You shared a story about what you went through with high school, and here's what I'm dealing with." And I just thought, "Can you give me some wisdom on that?" Hmm. And I was like, "Man, I never would have asked my dad <laughs> right. for wisdom right. on that issue." Right, right. You know, right. And, I remember um, so- my dad telling me when I was in high school, and I don't know that this. We haven't talked about it since, but. I don't know that this was actually like a uh, tactic that he just took or whatever, but he he told me, he was like, listen, there's nothing, there's probably nothing that you're going to get into that I haven't got into. (laughs) So if you get into something, just, you can always come talk to me about it. Hmm. And uh, sadly, I mean, looking back, I I don't know that I was that kid that would have come to my dad or my mom or my dad with just anything if i was in that car that got pulled over what i don't know if i but whenever i hear stories of you know now friends of mine who have older kids who are dealing with situations that they are coming to them with i'm always now on the parent side of it i'm like that is that's a victory if they're still coming to you yeah that totally. is such a victory yeah mm. just that in of itself so that yeah, we, so, I was saying, we went through some hard things. Like there was a season when Nate was like, I don't think I want to be a Christian. Mm. And I was like, why is that? And he goes, 
in essence, he was like, self-denial is too hard. I'm just not sure it's worth it. And I wasn't like, I'm a pastor. I was just like, <laughs> interesting. Tell me more about that. Like, like what's happening in your heart about self-denial? Mm. I just well, like, even that statement that he said is so, A, self-aware, and, and B, just honest. That's a really yeah, honest totally. thing to just say and to be secure enough to just say self-denial, that's... That's that's really hard, you know, yeah. and especially in the Christian world, it's almost like, well, that's understood that we can deal with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? The big principle I try and tell everybody, like, if they say, like, I got so many things wrong. There's another book called, like, The Father I Wish I Was versus The Dad I Was, you know? <laughs> We've all got <laughs> that book. <laughs> but I, the, the one thing I worked, which is the, like, which is the sort of, like, the true north principle is, maintain an emotional bond. Wow. Mm -hmm. So my experience is like parents are very good at this when the kids are little, you know, but as they're moving into adolescence, like, well, they need freedom. And it's like, they actually need you more than ever. They need to self-actualize. They need freedom, but they need you more than ever. And so I worked really, really hard to keep that bond. There's a moment when you tell it when your kids are drifting and you can't get them. Absolutely. Wow. And I was like, I had one of those moments, like we spacewalking and like, and I just went and got him back. Mm. And that's like the one thing I think I did right was to try and fight for that emotional bond with both my kids. Yeah. That's one of the things that's so, that's so apparent as you read the book is that there seems to have always been some sense of connectivity. You know, there wasn't like, We'd get together and hang for an hour, and then I wouldn't see him for five days. And then we get, you know, there was yeah, a real and, sense of. And I was always talking about it because there's times when Nate was like, "Why do I have to do this? Why can't I be a normal kid?" And I was like, "Nate, look, man, you can be a normal kid. I, I totally get that. But I just want you to know my relationship with you matters to me, even if it doesn't matter to you right now. Mm. And I don't even judge you if it doesn't matter to you right now. I've yeah. been a teenager, but I'm yeah. just telling you on my end." You matter in my life, and so hmm. I want to have this space to connect with you. Hmm. You know, and when he was older, I think he sort of like got that. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, you 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 going back a second because so step one is we just talked about is is that you know working on your wounds and working with that. Another thing that I think I, you just don't hear in in um, the culture is this idea, which is step two of the initiation of the sense. You, you said it with the African proverb, but. That is such a fascinating thought to me. And I think um, any man that reads that book is going to feel that in some way. And I think sometimes we get it peripherally because we have a man that sort of does it without it being formal and they sort of usher you into this thing. Sometimes it is your dad. Sometimes it's a coach. Sometimes it's a butcher shop owner, you know, some version of something where a man sort of says, hey, come do this, join us. This is what it looks like. But can you, I loved how you talked about this in the book. Um, can you talk more about that? Like why and what really what initiation is, what that invitation is, and then why it's so important? Well, I, I think what it does is it creates a psychological barrier, you know? Like I ask the question, like, when did you know that you're a man? Hmm. You wow. know, like when did that happen? It's like you had your first beer, hmm. had sex, drove, got your license. Like what is the... We're always like, kind of like, I don't, I don't know. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. when did you become a man? What was that process? Like, gosh, I don't know. And if you ask my son, he'll tell you when I ran into the water off a beach in Spain and my dad blessed me, that's when I became mm. a man. Mm. So I think you need, I think you need these psychological marks. I think you need these, these places that sever you from childhood in a healthy way. Mm. Yeah. Good disruption uh, mm-hmm. and and welcome at a desire. Like you're wanted. Yeah. I want to bring you into this. Come on in. There's a place yeah. waiting for you. Come and join this great tradition. Mm. So I, I think it's it's very, very healthy. It's uh, it tells a man he's wanted, it tells a man his energy is good or is is possibly good. And um yeah, I think it, it provides sort of a psychological stability and orientation in a very confusing time. Yeah. And I think that's the gift. You know, yeah. what you're going through yeah. is normal. You're yeah. right on track, even though it yeah. feels weird. You're not alone. You're, you're where everybody else has been. And so just settle in, just walk through this. Yeah. You know, so we, I don't know. We, I mean, 
Yeah, that's. I was going to say to one of the other things I thought was one of the craziest and most amazing things, and I got so choked up reading this was your wife's involvement in that process and oh, that was how I, you know we uh, have we have a lot of moms that listen and, and women that listen to this podcast. But can you sort of share about that too about your wife? Yeah, sitting so with- so to be clear, that is the most controversial thing in my book, man. Mm-hmm. I was getting pushback on that from the editors. I was getting pushed back really? all around on that. Yeah, there's a thing called a severing dinner. I don't know mm-hmm. what I called it in the in the book. I, I might have softened it, um, but <laughs> a, sev- a severing dinner is basically where my my wife, when my son turned thirteen, took him out for dinner and said, "I am handing you over to your father and the community of men to be turned into a man. This will be hard and painful. You're going to want to comfort me to comfort, and I will not give it to you. I'll push you back to your father." Hmm. And uh, so she, you know, took him out, you know, read this prayer over him, gave him a series of gifts. And uh, my my son and my wife have an extraordinary relationship. It's so good, high communication. Um, it's it's awesome. Um, but the goal is to say, hey, look, man, if you will never, that what men ache for in many ways is belonging in a community of men where they're recognised as adding value. Hmm. Like we, we long to be in a room and be recognized by our peers that we contribute and that we're one of them. We ache for that. Mm-hmm. And if there's always a way out back to the comfort of a woman, mm. it'll stop that formative place in the culture of men. And therefore what effort ends up happening is that men will use women for comfort. Mm. Jeez, use women so so mm. anyway, like I was trying to just get that lesson in seed form mm. and, um, so, yeah, so my wife took him out and did all of this and she ran in the room in tears and she oh, was like, I can't terrible. imagine. But, but when I was processing that with Nate, I, was, I said to him, like, we're walking on the Camino, I said, hey, man, this was like a little pretty controversial. Just so you know, I'm getting a little bit of pushback on the controversy of the severing dinner. And he was like adamant, viscerally adamant. No, that was so important in my journey. That was so helpful for me to understand where I was and what was actually happening. Uh, mm. And all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, the goal is basically to push him back into the community of men. Now, I, I want to say this. This this may be sounding like sort of like barbaric and you know, and all the rest of it. Look, I'm not interested in producing male stereotypes. The goal is not shirtless men eating meat with their hands in the woods here at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually just trying to help produce godly men. And I think a part of that happens best in a community of other godly men. A a big part of my um, conviction is that male formation has to happen in private in the company of men in order to be effective. Because if it happens in the presence of women, it often becomes performative Mm -hmm. um, or women mock it. They Mm -hmm. mock men's attempts. Because you live in a world in many ways where uh, women feel way more competent and confident than the typical man does. <clears throat> like, like, like I look, I pastor a church in the middle of New York City, 70% female, and I can tell you it's a church filled with successful women and men who struggle with confidence. Mm. And so it's like a lot of that comes by being formed in secret so you feel like you have something to offer. You're bringing a gift. You're bringing mm-hmm. strength to serve and that sort of thing. So it's it's complicated. There's so many stereotypes that are out there. Mothers play a very important role, but I felt like all of the literature that I studied says there's got to be some sort of withdrawal from a primary orientation from the mother towards a community of men for development. And, mm-hmm. and only anecdotally that seemed to resonate right. very deeply with Nate. What what did you find? What did your wife find, and how it changed their relationship? You know, if if she's no longer the place that he comes to find comfort, what what did that dynamic look like then? And what does it look like uh, now? Like, you know? like, like here's, here's the thing: that they would still, uh, yeah. they would still talk. I mean, uh, of course, <laughs> but she would say a lot of things like, "You need to talk to your father about that." Hmm. You know, you need to suck that up, Nathan. Hmm. You know, like you got you got to suck that up. I know it's hard. I mean, so I'm talking with a series of five shifts from adolescence into manhood. And the first shift is from ease to difficulty. It's like boys want ease, men embrace difficulty. And so Christy would often reinforce with things like it sounds like that you're looking for ease, but you know the pathway for it is actually difficulty. So you need to talk to your dad about doing the difficult thing. So it's like shared parenting in that, in that framework. Yeah. You know? hmm. Well, that, when Dave and I were talking about um, – 
this interview just a couple hours ago. I mean, that's definitely, that's something that I wrote down at the bottom of my list that I wanted to talk to. And it doesn't surprise me that it's controversial, but it, it's, it's very interesting. I think that like hearing you explain it and walk away, I walk away thinking two things. Like one, you do have to recognize your important, your meaning men, importance, the importance of validation from other men. And I do think, and I can only speak for myself, that that is something that is never going to go away. That is something that I need from my dad. That is something that I need from my peers. You know, you want to feel valuable, like you're saying, and, and like you belong and that you contribute. And the, um, mm -hmm. but it's so interesting. I never would have thought about it in that context of, of sort of walking it down step further and seeing it as like, well, this will put, you know, these men on a healthy path to, so that they can have healthy relationships with women, their future wives, their, you know, uh, but that, that's, that's just really fascinating. Hopefully people will, um, listen I always, to that. Yeah. I, always, I, I tell people too, it's like, Hey, if you disagree with my stuff, ready? So I said, well, don't do it then. <laughs> you didn't like the book. Yeah. The, the don't implement anything from the book. Yeah. Just do whatever you want then. Be come up with your own vision of intentionality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was just like I, I got to the point with my kids where I was like, I gotta I gotta do better. I gotta pay I gotta create a, a pathway for generational blessing. How do they do this in history? Who's doing this the best in the world? So I tried to read all the books and then summarize them and uh, bring all the best pieces together in one place, which I didn't feel like existed. I couldn't find it. I wouldn't have bothered with it. I would have used it. Hmm. And if you don't like a part of it, don't do that part. Yeah. It's simple. Yeah. Like I'm not like a, yeah. I'm not like a, this is the way I'm like, <laughs> Hey, this was pretty good for me. Yeah. I've yeah. done a lot of reading. There's a bunch of really helpful stuff in here. Use what's good. But the principle is this, be intentional. Hmm. Yeah. That That's the thing. So if, if, I, if, if the one takeaway I would get from the book is just like, don't wing this. Yeah, yeah, I love don't that. Don't wing love that. this. Do yeah. not wing the formation of your kids. Yeah. They're too important. Look how jacked up the world is. There's too much at stake. Yeah. yeah. Like have a plan. Take the same gifts and energies that you use for your career and at least give some of that to your children. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. And so basically I tried to say like, and here's a pretty general outline to get you started. You know? Well, you know, it's it's funny. As I read it, I really thought for, for John, and I'm referring to you, I, I thought for, for someone that's writing and doing this, this is like another job. You know, it, it, it took a lot of your time. <laughs> it, but, but I thought it was such a great yes. – I thought – well, that's probably the best job you've ever got, right? I mean, like that's if there's a job that really has eternal and and familial, you know, importance, it would be, you know, uh, you know, it would be to to be to spend this time on putting in your kids. Yeah. So so people say like the one I'm doing with my daughter right now, it takes me about 2 hours a lesson. Hmm. And I do 6 lessons a week with her. Oh my okay. gosh! But my thing is, what you I'm start doing at now. Three in the morning. No, no. What, what I'm doing now is like <laughs> on the stuff with my daughter. I'm just going to sell those lessons because the typical dad doesn't have the margin to do that. Yeah, right. And right. Um, I'm actually yeah. trying to go back through the primal path and actually put into seed form, like, hey, here, here's you want to do Easter difficulty. Here's thirty devotions on Easter difficulty to do. I'm, yeah. I'm realizing it's like people don't quite have that margin or whatever. Yeah, I'll say this. Um, you reap what you sow. Mm. Don't anticipate mm -hmm. a Jeez. beautiful relationship in the future if you sow minimal effort into it. Mm. That's it. Mm. So, yeah, like, yeah. what? Just think about the kind of relationship you want to have, and then like give time towards it. So, like, I, I tell you, people like I, I did years with no media intake. Like, people were like, "Oh, what'd you think of that show?" I was like, "I didn't see that show." <laughs> because here was the thing. It was only a few years. Yeah. It's yeah. only so a few years. It feels like forever and right. you're so tired from getting them alive through childhood. Yeah. yeah. 
But I'm telling you, my daughter goes off to college in five months. And oh. I'm done, man. I'm an empty nester. It's the, it is over. Now, I moved to a different kind of relationship in parenting. Yeah. But, like, the thing we're talking about is over. Yeah. And so, to me, I just had a, a very, very real awareness of time. Yeah. And I said, when I look back five years from now, when my son is in college, will I ever want to watch that game? Can I see Sports Center highlights? And will that be enough? And how can I take that hour and just brainstorm cool stuff to do with my son? Mm, and geez, so I just, so I just great. made that decision. I made the one big decision that stopped me having to make hundreds of small struggling mm. decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> speaking of time, I know we've got a few more minutes. Let me, we, we have two questions we end with. We'll get to the second. I have one more kind of last question before we get to those two last quick ones. Um, you know, being a parent, two things I think about a lot and John and I know have talked about this a lot too. Um, I would love to hear you speak to these kind of two questions. How do we care and love for and love our kids in a way that one, they can stay true to this faith that we believe and that, that they hopefully will believe because you see, you know, this is the age of deconstruction and so many people kind of leaving the faith. Uh, and then two, that they'll want to be around us when they're older. Like, what, you know, how, how do we, how can we think about that as parents to go look, you know, how, how do you think about that? Oh, well, I mean, a, a huge part of it is like, I, I'll just tell you a story, okay? This is going to be very, very controversial. And it's going to sound hyper, hypercritical, but it's not meant to be. I was preaching in Nashville at, the, at uh, Church of the City, and um, the hotel I was staying in had a girls' high school volleyball tournament staying in it. And I just watched all these families, and I was like, okay. None of these people are going to church. It's on Sunday morning because I'm leaving to preach. Okay. What are they talking about? Where's the anxiety? Where's the reward mechanisms in this ecosystem? Now, where is, if you're a Christian family, where is Jesus? Where's the priority of the body of Christ? Where is, and I just thought, every parent who lets their kids in high school do radical travel sports is communicating to them that you being on this team is more important than your form formation in the body of Christ and Oof. that you just can't compete with that level of formation. So here's what you say to your kids. Our faith is a foundation, but it's actually secondary to every other thing we do. Hmm. And then you don't be surprised hmm. when they go to college hmm. where they put every other thing like they've been trained to do right. before church and then at some point you, you never go back. It just like it shook me the formative power Hmm, of this right. travel team. And I just listened to so many conversations at breakfast and all the rest of it. And um, I just thought, you know, like trying to catch up on a podcast during the week actually says what I value the most is this team. And I will supplement faith on the side. I think if you sow that, you will reap that later. Hmm. I'm not against yeah. sports. I think sports actually can be a very, very helpful formative mechanism. But like the professionalization of everything into the adolescence years does tremendous damage, I think. Mm. Oh, yeah, so like so that's mm. just like the being aware of the formative power of youth culture right now to functionally disciple Jesus out of the center of our kids' lives. Mm. And then what attention it will be when your kids can't participate like they want to in this mm. formative power. So, mm. yeah, lots of prayer, lots of modeling, lots of participation. What I would say is like don't talk about God model God and li like live the way of Jesus, like actual tangible spiritual practices mm. so that your kids actually have a life of like doing the Christian life, not just talking about it and living mm. an American life. And mm -hmm. so that way when they're older, they've actually been trained in the way of Jesus. I think that's huge. Secondly, how do you create things? How do you get your kids to want to be around you when you're older? I think one of the best things about that is like family rhythms, rituals, and traditions that are mm. so life-giving. They want their kids to have access to them too. So, you know, we got a whole series of things like the Tyson family does. Mm -hmm. And like this this is us. This is what Tysons do. Right. You know, like pleasure stacking on the Sabbath, that's Tyson. That's Tyson right there. <laughs> you know, like we've got we got stuff we do. And uh, we've got places we go. Mm. And uh, I think my kids, they've already said to me, it's like when I'm older, I am 100% doing this with my kids. Wow. So yeah. Make it so rich that they that they want to bring their kids into it. I love that. Okay. That is beautiful. Last two questions we always ask this. So first question I'll ask you, what is the one thing you want your kids to know? 
Uh, I want them to know the father's love. I think that is the hermeneutic of the universe. <laughs> you know, it's like the father's love, the father's heart. You were created by God, for God. Your destiny is to do life with God, and you are headed into direct communion with him. And mm. if, if my kids get that, I, I think that's the most important thing. Mm. Okay, and last, last question. What do you want your kids to say at your funeral? Um, my dad loved me with all of his might. Mm. He wasn't perfect, but he just went all in. He was, he, you know, my dad was a broken man. He was a flawed man, but he was a freaking funny man who showed up most of the time. <laughs> Something like that. Well, your, your kids will be able to pull up an iCal <laughs> and be like, let me show you. You see this? That's not 4 p.m. That's 4 a.m. My dad loved me. Yeah. Yeah, John, I mean, the... like, yeah, I mean, gosh, we could talk for hours. I got to run, but yeah, yeah. That's enough to get us started. No, that's yeah. great. That's great. That's session well, one. Thank you for thank writing you this book. So thank you so much for your time. Us. I can't encourage everybody that's listening. It's the intentional father, is one part of it, which is called a practical guide to raise sons and courage of courage and character. The other one is uh, the primal path, which is that's you can find that online. It's super helpful. You subscribe, it's all there. And hopefully someday soon you'll have the the, the female, the daughter version. I'm working which will on that. Be, it's called 50, 50 Pieces of My Heart. Oh, I love and that. And it's the 50 deposits every dad needs to put into his daughter's life before she leaves home. Gosh. That's good. Come on, I'm going to try to get that book before you get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one's a self-pub, man. So yeah, <laughs> I'll help you publish it. Yeah, because yeah. I've got yeah. two daughters and I need help. Yeah, John, thank you for your time, man. No worries. Thank you so much. Dad,